Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay. Well, my name's Mark. <laughs> and I'm part of the ministry team at Baptist Church. It's nice to be back. This feels slightly weird, familiar. Uh, it's good. Um, yeah, it's great to be back. And um, I'm not here very often, as you may have noticed, since I finished up. Do you know it's been almost 18 months since I finished up? It, time flies, but uh, it's, you know, some of you have visibly aged since I've, uh, <laughs> I was here last. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thank you. It's very rude. No. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, since then, everything's fallen apart in the church, but that's okay. Um, no, in all honesty, it's just great to actually see the way this church is thriving and to see what God is doing here at Allgate and widely across hills and to see what's happened with, um, you know, Mount Barker and amalgamation and property and all of that. So I'm really excited about what God is doing in this place. I've been keeping a pretty low profile in terms of uh, my involvement, and I think that's the right thing to do, but... Just behind the scenes, really excited about that. Um, about my role, um, it's also been really exciting. Every Sunday I'm um, visiting other churches and preaching. I'm not playing golf on Sunday mornings. I'm actually other places. And uh, it's really exciting for me to uh, get the opportunity to visit churches big and small across our movement and country and city and just see what God is doing. And one of the things we've been praying for uh, as a staff team, is that in every Baptist church in SA, we would hear a story, there would be a story of someone coming to know Jesus this year and someone being baptised. Because wouldn't that be exciting if in every church, from the, a church of 15 people to a church of 1,000, even in the smallest church, we would see someone come to know Jesus for the first time and a story of a baptism. So that's what we are praying for and we pray for our churches uh, every day. We pray for... Um, uh, this church, uh, every week uh, we pray for this church and all our churches. Um, so that's what we're praying for. Um, let me, uh, we, we've already heard the Bible reading. Uh, there was kind of four verses in the scripture today and I felt that was a bit too much for me to tackle in one hit. So I've reduced it down to three. Um, and I just want to talk about being a light to the world, what that means. Uh, essentially, um, uh, I got a great quote that came to me a second before I got up, um, which is, the mission of the church is not to be a club for Christians, but to be a light to the world. The mission of the church is not to be a club for Christians, but to be a light to the world. And it's so easy for us to lose sight of that and for, us to, for, us, for church to become about us and about a church service and about ministries that, that help our kids and youth and we need that and we need them to hear the gospel, but it's so easiest for us to forget that our mission as a church is not about us. It's about who we are to the world all around us. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and place it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before all people so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's interesting that I'm given this passage to preach this morning because of all the passages in Scripture, this could be one that I have lived more than any other passage. 
When I was at uni, I was a brand new Christian and I was part of the uni Christian group as perhaps others have been. And so every Wednesday I would go off to one of the rooms, uh, the room that we had to meet in and uh, a pastor would come along and give a Bible talk and we'd have some worship and, and pray together. And, uh, and I would be through the week with my uni course, uh, you know, people that I was in the course with and hanging out with them. And I would kind of sneak away on a Wednesday to attend the Christian group. And a few times it came up that my friends said to me, oh, where are you headed? Oh, I've just got to meet with some friends. <laughs> and I'd sneak off. And I remember this one particular occasion where we were, I was in the, uh, the stairwell and I crossed a couple of, came across a couple of mates from my course and they said, you know, what are you doing for lunch? I said, well, I'm going to meet with some friends and because uh, I didn't want to tell them I was going to the Christian group. And they said, oh, well, we don't have anything on. We'll come with you. <laughs> and, and I'm like, no, you don't want to do that. So like, not only am I not an evangelist, I'm an anti-evangelist. <laughs> and so I, I managed to carefully avoid them coming to hear the gospel. Um, <laughs> and then I was on a camp just a few months after that, the Christian camp, and this passage uh, came up somehow in that time and God used it to absolutely break me. You know when God breaks you and you're like weeping and you're just convicted of something? And I was just convicted of the fact that I was so fearful and I was so worried about what people would think about me that it was completely holding me back from in any way bearing witness to my faith in Jesus. I was like ashamed of Jesus. And I was convicted of that and I was broken and people prayed over me. And I think from that moment on, God began to change something in me. And I think it's kind of phenomenal that God by His grace would in the end raise me up to be someone who actually preaches the gospel and has been in this incredibly gifted and privileged position where I've actually led people to Jesus in large groups or in small groups or one-on-one -on -one just talking with someone and had this incredible privilege. If I move on a bit, I remember a night when we were praying for our night service here at this church, probably a couple of years into um, uh, my ministry here at, at uh, Allgate. And it was when our night service was, was a great small service, but we started praying, the young people started praying that, that we would uh, fill this room with young people hearing the gospel. And the scripture from that prayer meeting that stood out that one of the young people raised and we prayed over was that we would be the light. And then we saw God answer that prayer in the most amazing way. And we saw so many young people who have come to know Jesus through this church in the past decade or so. And then I remember as we considered this concept of church planting because the church was full and we were looking for a, a word and I was praying about this and God gave me the most incredible vision which has been shared here before, which was of this kind of like a vision that I had of being like in a plane looking down on the hills, the Adelaide Hills and in the valleys was this incredible darkness but there were these incredible lights and the lights were spreading out and, and this beautiful picture of, of light in the darkness and of course Libby if you've seen it made this incredible artwork based on that vision and that vision then kind of gave us the courage to move into church planting and God's just used that. So, so this passage I'm not just preaching as a concept hey, I've lived this passage and it means a lot to me. This passage is actually very, very simple. 
Some passages are incredibly complex and I have to get into the Greek or the Hebrew to explain them. Not so much this one. This, is pas- uh, this passage is summarised in two very theologically rich songs. The first is called This Little Light of Mine. And the second is uh, the song Let Your Light Shine by the great theologian Colin Buchanan. (laughs) We can understand this passage very easily. The challenge is actually in living it out in our lives. Because living out being the light is challenging in this world today. Where Christianity is at times opposed and at times uh, people are ambivalent to it. But it's one of a number of competing ideas and it's an idea of philosophy of faith that is uh, critiqued strongly. And if you go back a generation or two, like Christians kind of had a free run. We were kind of like the only religion around and we were kind of like the one that was considered respectable and honourable and the right one. But now that's kind of shifted. And that actually isn't necessarily such a bad thing. Because when Christianity had a free run, it led to kind of cultural Christianity and, and kind of this safe Christianity and sometimes not a very genuine faith. But now if people are coming to faith, let me tell you, they're not doing it because they think it's kind of a culturally respectable thing to do. They're coming to faith because they've come to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And that's actually not a bad thing. The concept is uh, of, a, of a, a, a city on a hill you can just imagine that, a city on a hill at night, in, in, perhaps in ancient times, how that would just be, it cannot be hidden. Or, or, or a, a light, no one takes a light and, and places it under a bowl. Like you, you don't, we don't really notice how much we, we need light um, because we've got electricity. But it's when the power goes out and you suddenly, you know, you're getting the phone out. And, you know, we've still got phones and everything. If you don't have any of that and, the, and you have no light, and the light goes out, that's when you, you suddenly realise how much you need light. Um, so the challenge is to actually live that out. So I want to kind of give us a bit of context about, biblically about the concept of light, and then I'll apply this passage into how we live it out. So firstly, I want to take us back, right back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, darkness. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. The first word spoken, the first action of God in creation is the creation of light, the giving of light. Where does light come from? Light comes from God. We're going to think about what it means for us to shine the light. Let's understand from the very start, light comes from God. Not something we generate, not something we strive to make. Light is a gift. It is given from God. God is the giver of light. In the Old Testament, one of the key roles of Israel, when God raises up this nation who are His chosen people, is that they would be a light to the nations. They would be a light to the Gentiles that I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. So this idea of light is light to others so that salvation will be shared. Of course, we then hit Jesus and we read about Jesus, um, these words in John chapter 1, the very start. It says this, in the beginning again, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made.
that has been made. In Him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So we hear here that Jesus himself is the light. God is the origin of light and now Jesus comes into the world as the light. Jesus, of course, goes on to say, I am the light of the world. We then move down into forward into Acts and the sending of the Spirit. And in the sending of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, we read that the believers are in one place and they're praying and then suddenly um, the Spirit comes upon them in tongues of, um, tongues of fire. Of course, again, we see this image of light. And so Jesus being the light and now the Spirit comes and the Spirit is indwelling. The tongues of fire come and sort of are upon them and the Spirit comes to indwell within them. And so the light is placed within us as believers by the grace of God. So all of that journey to say that sometimes when we think about, okay, I've got to try and be a light to the world, um, and we think about that in terms of, you know, this word evangelism and I've got to go and be the light. We get very, very nervous or we get very worried or we think I've got to sort of try to generate some light. I've got to try to make light. But actually we don't. God is actually the light. He has made Jesus to be the light. He has put His light in us by His Spirit. And we actually need to reflect what He's placed in us. We are in a sense spiritually solar powered. We, we, we receive the light and then we actually then the light comes out of us because the light's been placed into us. Do you get what I mean? I'm, what I'm saying is it shouldn't be some huge difficult task that we've got to try to generate light. Indeed, the greatest step we could make in terms of shining the light is actually spend more time in the light and more time with the light, more time in the presence of God, more time in the Word of God, more time being reminded about the grace of God. And as we do that, it's kind of like the batteries get charged out and it shines even brighter. So you want to shine more brightly? Start by spending more time in the light. Secondly, uh, so that's kind of the first point, is actually just to spend time in the light, spend time with the light, spend time with Jesus, spend time in His Word, spend time in prayer. And as we do that, we will shine more brightly. Don't just try to shine on your own. Secondly, it needs to be said that it's not easy shining your light. I spoke about how culture has changed and maybe it's harder being a Christian today than previously. But actually, do you know, the Scripture tells us very clearly that it's actually going to be difficult to be the light of the world, or not to be the light of the world, to reflect the light of the world. John 3, uh, 16, many of us know, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, probably we know John 17, which is a beautiful verse, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Often we don't go on to the next two verses, which are really interesting 
in light of today's passage. It goes on to say this, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what they, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. What this kind of tells us is that when the light shines, um, actually there's people who kind of uh, naturally are going to love darkness because if they come into light, there's this fear that they're going to have their life exposed and people generally don't want that. That there's always been opposition to the light. It's normal and it's biblical that people will oppose receiving Jesus the light. People love darkness. There's something in the sinful human heart that people love darkness and kind of want to hide in that rather than coming into the light. And that is why I guess we are entrusted to be the light and to shine the light which shines out into the world. The expectation these days that people are going to kind of see the church building as the light and be like, yes, I want to go into the light is probably unlikely. Now, by the grace of God, we keep hearing stories about where that is happening around the place. People are just coming in hungry for something. But by and large, we are required to go out and shine because people don't naturally want to come into the light because there's a fear that their deeds will be exposed, that their lives will be exposed, and because of that, they don't. Now, having said that, when you read that passage about people love the darkness, it almost sounds like no one's going to come to faith. And that's the other side of living as a Christian today is I think we have wrongly got into the habit or the belief that no one is going to come to know Jesus today in Australia. We think no one, and there's no way I'd ever really be part of seeing someone come to faith in Jesus. And we therefore, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because then we don't shine the light because why shine the light if no one's going to come to know Jesus and then no one comes to know Jesus, which proves the fact that they weren't going to come to know Jesus anyway. And, and you know what I see what I'm saying? It becomes this circular thing. No one's interested in faith, so I won't talk about faith. Therefore, no one comes to faith, which proves that no one's interested in faith. <laughs> this is what we are hearing and encountering as I go amongst the churches, is that people are interested in faith and coming to know Jesus today. I'm sure that's happened in this church in the last 12 months. Just last week, I preached at a church. A guy tells me his story. He started searching about Christianity on the internet. He starts doing all this research. He becomes a Christian. He comes into the church where I preached last weekend. He brings a mate along with him. His mate became a Christian. This has all happened in the last year. About a month ago, they baptised each other uh, in the church service. The week before I preach, uh, and the pastor tells me, the brand new pastor who was being inducted at the church where I was um, at the induction, tells me about how since he'd started in the church a month ago, family members who had never come to church decided that they would come to church. One of them has come to faith in the last month, and uh, he's been there a month, and he's seen someone come to know Jesus, a family member. We've heard story after story of people, even though I said they, they don't want to come into church, of people literally coming into church. People literally walking into church saying, I don't really know what, you know, I don't, I'm just kind of interested. People exploring faith. 
Maybe the darker our world becomes, there's also the converse effect where people actually long for the light in some way. People are coming to know Jesus in Australia. Often evangelism messages about being the light sound like guilt trips. You never share your faith. You've got to go and share your faith. I think this, this message is an invitation. It's an invitation to be part of what God is doing. God has created light. Jesus is the light. The Spirit has placed the light in us by the indwelling Spirit. And we are now invited to shine. It's an invitation to be part of what God is doing. So we need to be the light. And we need to be the light through words and deeds. Okay? Through words and deeds. Some people have this idea that, hey, I I shine the light through deeds and others shine it through words. And some people are like, oh, I shine it through words. I like to like tell people about Jesus, but I don't actually like to do any, you know, practical caring. I think we are required to share, to shine the light and share the good news of Jesus through both word and deed. There's a famous quote, which is, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Now, this is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, of whom there is absolutely no historical record of him ever saying this quote. It's also, uh, for anyone who's studied the life of Francis of Assisi, will know that he spent most of his life preaching. So people use this as a way of saying, well, you know, let's just show, let's just show our love through action. And when necessary, which will probably be never, then we would actually say something. No, that's not what he did. This three years after his death, Thomas of Salino wrote this about St. Francis of Assisi, who probably never said the quote anyway. Sometimes preaching up to five villages a day, often outdoors, in the country, Francis often spoke from a bale of straw or a granary doorway. In town, he would climb on a box or up on steps in a public building. He preached to any who gathered to hear this strange but fiery little preacher from Assisi. He was sometimes so animated and passionate in his delivery that his feet moved as if he were dancing. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Sorry, I can't do that while also preaching. But you know, then it's reduced to this kind of idea that he's this guy that went around never preaching and just used words only when necessary. He thought, we, he thought words were necessary all the time and he probably didn't say that quote anyway. People think sharing faith is about having to come up with this four-minute packaged statement that you lead people through and then at the end pray and they become a Christian after four minutes and you walk away and go, yep, tick the box. How often is it like that? Almost never. How do people shine the light? What does it look like? It looks like so many different things to so many different people. I was reading someone, uh, hearing, talking to someone last week and they were talking about someone else. That doesn't sound like a very good story, really. I was talking to someone and they were talking about someone else. And they said about that someone else, this person really blessed me because when I was exploring faith, they picked me up and brought me to church every Sunday. That's, how that, that's what shining the light looked like. They picked them up and brought them to church every Sunday. Someone else it might be, this person when I was like really anti-faith, but kind of exploring it, but didn't want to say that, and I was really argumentative, this person just let me talk and argue with them, but without being judgmental on them or closing it down, just let me talk things out. This person just listened. 
Think about your life. When someone shone the light for you of Jesus and helped you come to know Jesus, how did they do that? Can you think of someone who just in some way was part of shining the light to you? And I wonder if someone, a couple of people could just call out some way that someone did that just to give us a sense of the different ways that people can be a blessing and shine the light. Share their testimony. They listened. They showed love. You got pestered in the name of Jesus. Amen. A gracious pestering. Encouraging a flickering that then became a light. Pick you up for youth group. Had a family devotion. We're leaders, just, just there being a leader. Pray for you every day. We think about the four-minute message where we've got to sit down with someone and share them through, you know, all these passages and then pray for them. And 99% of us go, I can't do that. But we can pray for someone every day. I can do that. I can pick someone up for youth group. I can to someone. <laughs> I can listen. We can listen, can't we? We can do this stuff. We can shine the light because shining the light looks like so many different things to so many different people. And it's not about saying, this is what I'm going to do for every person. It's about actually discerning. How can I be a blessing to this person? How can I shine the light to this person just a little bit? And I think if we take that approach rather than this idea of I've got to have this package statement, we will see so many people come to know Jesus because God is actually in the business of drawing people to Himself because ultimately people aren't saved because of our kind of works and efforts. It's through God at work in people's life as He calls people to Himself and reconciles them to Himself. So we got to be bold enough simply to use words and deeds and to be known as a Christian by those who do not yet believe. If someone does not know you are a Christian and you show good deeds before them, then they will see your good deeds and they will praise you for being a really good person. But if they actually know that you are doing that in the name of Jesus and that you're a Christian, that it gives them a greater chance that they would see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven, not praise you. We need to not take the glory for ourselves. We need to give the glory to God. Finally, we need to carefully and prayerfully consider, yeah, I've already said this, how and when and to whom we should be the light. There's not this sense that we've got to like every single person, we get to the bus tomorrow morning, there's 10 people there, you've got to try to evangelise every one of them. We've got to discern who is God placing before us? Who is the person God is putting on our heart? Who is the person of peace who's open to hear the message of the gospel. Well, I shared at the start that my testimony is that God changed me by His Spirit. I was someone who could not publicly say the name Jesus, literally. I hid my identity as a Christian. I had no idea how to talk to someone about faith and I freaked out and blew every single opportunity I got. And somehow God in His faithfulness 
and grace has used me to lead people to Jesus because his light within us shines out of us when we give him space and allow that to happen. May God use you. May you know that God will use you and shine through you and continue to use you to use this church to share the wonderful, extraordinary and beautiful good news of Jesus. What a crazy thing it would be to be the light and to take a bowl and to hide that so that people remain in darkness. No, instead we take it off and it gives light to the whole room that people might see and know that Jesus is a loving, gracious Saviour. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for the light. Thank You for the light. Nothing more beautiful when you have darkness than to turn on a light and suddenly find that you're safe and in the light. Thank You, God, that You have put the light of Jesus in our hearts by your grace and that you have given us your spirit to empower us and enable us and to guide us and to change us and to shape us. And Lord, may you shine through every single person here. May you protect us from the devil who would like want to say, no, you know, the, the light would never shine through you or through me or for this person or that person. No, protect us from that wrong word and let us all know that the light has been placed in us and as we shine it, that we might see many people come to know Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.